Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Dudes in a Podcast. I'm Dude Taft, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dude Josh. Man, it feels great to be back recording. Like, for the listeners and stuff like that, it's probably only been like a week. But for us, it's been solidly a month, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, with the semester starting and job hunting and, uh, you know, adulting. Exactly, and that is exactly why we have a backlog. Uh, So Taft, I feel like I haven't really seen you, even though I completely saw you last week yeah. for Dungeons & Dragons, as always. As always. But uh, how you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling good. Why? I was setting you up to say simple and clean, and you didn't fucking get it, because today oh. we're talking about Kingdom Hearts. We are talking about Kingdom Hearts. We maybe should have had a little conversation about that. I was before. hoping that you would just be on the same No, we were totally not on me. the same page. Like you said, it's been a minute since we've seen each other. Yeah, that link it's is, true. That it's link true. was broken. Our hearts were not connected at that moment. <laughs> Tears. But yes, we are talking about Kingdom Hearts today, and I would like to remind everybody that this is, in fact, an adult podcast, despite the fact that we're talking about what many would consider a children's game. They would be wrong, mm-hmm. they but would many be. would consider it a children's game. Uh, so adult language will will probably be used because we're going to get emotional. Yeah, for sure. Um, also... You can't really talk about the end of a of a saga without heavy, heavy spoilers. So spoilers galore yeah. going into this. If you haven't played the game or if you don't care, yeah, do what you feel like, man. It's, it's a free world. It's been what? Like when this episode comes out, it'll probably have been like two months, three months since the game came out. Probably by the time this actually is uploaded, yeah. So... Yeah, so... Plenty of time to finish the game more than one time. Exactly. I mean, it's... Honestly, I'd probably say it was the shortest of the of the of the main series. Yeah, for sure. Kingdom Hearts two felt like that was a slog. That was a slog. That was a long game, but we'll we'll get into that later. So uh, let's start off by talking about how did you first get introduced to the glory that is Kingdom Hearts? Uh, when I first started college, I roomed with uh with our close friend Anthony, and he set up a projector in our dorm room, and he was like, "Sit down." And don't come out until this is done. That is by f- Anthony is by far the biggest Kingdom Hearts fan I know. Yeah, for sure. And that's saying something because we're all pretty big fans of it at this yeah, point. Yeah, but he's the one who understands it the most and like can pull connections from like fifteen years worth of games. I will say he I will say he understands it most because he's the only one of us who has played every single one of the games. I have not played Dream Drop Distance or Chain of Memories, but I watched Chain of Memories. Fair enough. Um so have you, don't, you- I have I've played the main series and I tried to pick up uh Birth by Sleep is that the one with Ventus Terra and Aqua? Yes, Birth by Sleep is like the second or third favorite for like most fans I want to say. That's Fair a bold enough. assumption, but I'm going to Like I tried anyway. I tried picking it up, didn't really get into it. I'll probably pick it up again cuz I'm on like a serious Kingdom Hearts kick at the current moment. Yeah. So, uh we both played the hell out of the phone game. Yeah, that was a me and Taft, like we said on the podcast before, used to work in a restaurant together, and in all the downtime, it was that Kingdom Hearts mobile game. Grinding like crazy. That was that was fun. That game got so broken, though. Yeah. Um, we used to have a routine where every time... So there was a mechanic to get like power-ups for your, for your Keyblades, which is the weapon in Kingdom Hearts, and you would pull for them. That's what they called it in the game. So we would always rub a table. We would get like the entire staff together to rub a table yep. when we decided to pull. Like we took it very seriously, probably a lot more seriously than we should have. Yeah, for uh, a mobile game. But anyway, man, how did you get into Kingdom Hearts? So, Kingdom Hearts is actually one of those games that like I just stumbled across. Mhm. Uh, I actually played the second one first. 
I have the vaguest recollection of like the very first time I ever heard of Kingdom Hearts was I was actually at a friend of mine's house that I'm no longer friends with and don't even remember their name. <laughs> but I can distinctly remember being at this guy's house because he had Majora's Mask. Quality. Kingdom Hearts. Quality. And GoldenEye. Double quality. Exactly. You know, like, and that was my first introduction to Majora's Mask as well. But he was actually going through the final fight of Kingdom Hearts when, like, when I was over there. Yeah. I mean, against Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Yeah. That was, man, that was a hard-ass fight. It, I never got to it, actually. I got, I got stuck on, uh, what's his, Chernobog. Dude, Chernobog's a bitch, too. He's a, he's a bitch and a half. But, um, so, while that kind of, like, that was the first, like, actual introduction to it. Like, I watched him play it. But my first, like, time playing it and the one that really got me hooked was actually Kingdom Hearts 2. And when, he, I like, I saw it and I was like, I think I remember, like, my friend playing this game. It's the second one. They didn't have the first one. Is that Blockbuster. Real, oh, back in the day. Blockbuster. And I noticed that it had Disney characters on it. It looked fun. And the dude was holding a giant key. And I really like the aesthetic of keys. Like, I would get a key tattoo, like, especially, like, those old-timey ones. Yeah. So, like, having some dude walking around with spiky hair, beating the shit out of stuff with a giant key, right up my alley, you know? <laughs> right up most 10-year-olds' alleys. Exactly. Um. So, I picked it up, played it, didn't get very far. Uh, I didn't get past Dance, Water, Dance. That's where I got to when I was younger. I did not get past the second Demix fight. Uh, yeah, damn it. Oh, fuck that guy. That fight was okay. That fight, I could beat him easily. I could not beat the time. Yeah. It was the time limit that they had on it, and those were ridiculous. I barely beat it when I was, like, when I got older and I finally beat the game and stuff. It, like, I had, like, maybe, like, two seconds left or something ridiculous. Like, it was insane. See, I would struggle on, like, other organization fights. DMX, I felt like, was pretty okay for me. I never, like, had that rage moment of fighting DMX. Uh, The only one I really had a rage moment with would be the guy with the spears. What's his name? Oh, See, this is why we need Anthony. For yeah, we need too. Anthony here for this. But the guy with the, the black hair, really crazy eyebrows. Oh, is that when the Mickey came in? That is that is the only time in that game that I actually used a Mickey. Actually, no, that's not true. I used once uh, Mickey once with Attila the Hun as well. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. I hope that was a, a good enough description for Kingdom Hearts fans who are listening to this. I'll look him up, and I'll bring it up in a second. But the um, that was my first real introduction to that game. And the thing that sticks with me most is the introduction to Kingdom Hearts 3 and 2. That is the most, like, vivid memory of that. I remember, like, just having Sora standing there in his clothes with, like, what looks like, I'm pretty sure, is a marshmallow on a stick. <laughs> I don't remember at it all. Just, it's a stick in his mouth, and it's got a white puffy thing on the end of it. So, like, marshmallow on a stick. Oh, was it, was it supposed to be the sea salt ice cream? Maybe, but, like, there's, like, so it's got, like, stick, puffy thing, stick. So, like, he took a bite out of it and was, like, hanging on to the stick. I don't know. It was weird. But I remember him standing there barefoot in, like, the water just looking out and dearly beloved. Uh, is it dearly beloved? No, dearly beloved doesn't play that on it. Is that dearly beloved or is it sanctuary? Sanctuary? I think it's dearly beloved. Um, Pretty sure it's No, I think, I think sanctuary is one and dearly beloved is two. And then face my fears is three. For yeah, okay, so, yeah. I think. So, no, dearly beloved has actually been in all three games. Yeah, it's, okay. It is the, the, that was, it is the song of Kingdom Hearts. 
Okay, let's can we just before we dive into like gameplay or story or anything, yeah, let's talk about the music. My best memory of Kingdom Hearts is not me playing the game. Me, Anthony, and our other close friend Corey went and saw the orchestra and like heard the original composers and players play the music from Kingdom Hearts. And that was more emotional than any other like video game, film, TV experience. Like I just remember just like being exhausted walking so, so, out of that so orchestra. So the introduction song is Sanctuary. Okay. Simple and Clean is the introduction song for from I think the menu song is always Dearly Beloved. Dearly Beloved. So that's what I'm thinking of is the menu song. Yeah, so Simple and Clean. So is... fun fact about that, the lady I can't think of her name, but the lady who composed it and stuff like that. Utada Hikari? No, she did not compose it. She just sings the songs. Okay. But like the orchestra and stuff like that, she actually does it for all of the Kingdom Hearts games. Even though, despite the fact that she retired after the second one. Oh, so like... She retired from Square Enix because she worked for Square Enix. Mm -hmm. Went freelance, but always returns for uh, for Kingdom Hearts games to work on their, like, orchestral pieces. I mean, like, I don't... I, I feel bad saying this, but, like, the Kingdom Hearts music rivals or surpasses John Williams for Star Wars or Jurassic Park or Harry Potter or something like that. Because that music is so, like important so i believe we talked about this on our like lost video game episode that we no longer have because of technical issues r.i.p yeah rip so we talked about music and games stuff like that and in my opinion the best music in games is either kingdom hearts or zelda those two are very mm-hmm. like high up there for me and truly and honestly i think that music in video games is better than any other medium I can agree with that. Because it requires you, like, if you do, like, a psychological study on it and stuff like that, it's actually very interesting because the stuff that, go, like, the music and stuff that goes on during bo- boss fights is mm-hmm. good for studying because it helps you get hyper-focused. Uh, if you're just trying to relax or whatever, listen to the songs that will play during a video game when you're just supposed to be, like, free roaming around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, their actual, like, their beats and stuff like that are actually supposed to be able to help you get into certain mindsets and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Because even now, still in college, I listen to Kingdom Hearts soundtrack all the time when I'm studying. Because it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like, when the when the boss fight music is going, like you can write two paragraphs in that four-minute song. But also, you can, like, think and slow down and think about what you want to write next for the songs, like, when you're at Traverse Town or Hollow Bastion or something like that. Yep. So uh, the guy I was thinking of is Zaldin. Zaldin, okay. But yeah, no, the music in it is absolutely amazing. Simple and Clean is just a killer song, regardless of what la- what language you listen to it mm-hmm. in. Honestly, so it I'm not as big on Face My Fears as I am Don't Think Twice for for Kingdom Hearts Three. Face My Fear, like because they are two. It's they're two to very different songs. They, yeah, they're hard to compare because they are tonally different. Face my fears is is the is the beginning of the end. Is you're going in, you're gonna fight Xehanort, who's supposed to be this uber powerful guy, um, and you're afraid of the enemy's past who are back, and some Xemnas, etc., etc. But when you get to don't think twice, and again, we've already gave you a spoiler warning. You're at the beach. Everything's happy. Like you're just don't think twice. I love you. We're here together, and it's beautiful. It really is just fucking beautiful. It really, like, tearing up just thinking about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, But going on to, like, actually talking about the games and stuff like that. So since you started off 
with like Anthony and stuff like that. I'm assuming you started off with one. I did. I first I played one on the PS2 and hated the control steam because I can never put the camera where I wanted to hit. It is garbage. But but they, they do fix it in the Kingdom Hearts remake. Yeah. So uh played the remix, played original two on the on the PS2, and then played like my all the other subsequent times playing two has been on a remix. Fair enough. No, uh, I played uh the last time I played KH one was on my PlayStation two. It's rough. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I think that's true. I think that's why I couldn't beat Chernobog because I couldn't control the camera and it was just real bad. But it's amazing to see the difference in quality between Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2. For sure. There, I think part of me believes, and I don't have any history or anything like that to back it up, but Kingdom Hearts 1, think about it, that should never have been a thing. Final Fantasy and Disney. So you want to know why that was? Uh, an elevator pitch, if I remember the story yes correctly. Yes and no. So what it is is... Uh, Tetsuya Nomura working with Square Enix and stuff like that. They actually shared a building with Disney. And so he had pitched an idea. This was all around the time that Mario 64 had just come out. Mm-hmm. And so there's the platforming games and Sonic's out and like just they're like figureheads. You know, people like see Mario and like that's Nintendo. So Square Enix wanted to have their own kind of th- person like that. Mm-hmm. And so they said, who's super memorable? And if you just see a silhouette, you'll know who it is. Mickey fucking Mouse. And so they said, we share a building with them. So he talked to some people and stuff like that. And they said, okay, yeah, we'll, like, we'll try and pursue that. And then another member of the team was in an elevator with a Disney executive and said, and gave him the elevator pitch. And he said, yeah, no, that sounds like an awesome idea. Let's get this together. And so, boom, the bastard child, Kingdom Hearts, was made. Also, fun fact, Sora was supposed to be, a, like, a cat boy. A cat boy? Yeah, he was supposed like to be furry? An, anthrop- an anthropomorphic cat who, his weapon was originally not a keyblade. It was a chainsaw sword. <laughs> but Disney said, there's no way that you can have a chainsaw sword on a Disney character. No, you cannot. So, he changed it to a giant key. Yeah, because keys aren't dangerous; they're just blunt force objects that are just gonna crack bones. <laughs> Papa Nomura had a brilliant idea with Kingdom Hearts One. Loved it, love it, love it, love it. But I think he was just like, "All right, I'm gonna pitch this bullshit idea for Kingdom Hearts One. We're gonna make it a kid story, and then everything else is gonna be like my brainchild." Everything was his brainchild. I definitely think that he tried to dumb it down for the first game, just in case like the series didn't go great. Mm-hmm. But, like, he definitely planned on it going... Ex- like, he planned on it being a saga. Yeah, for sure. Um, but to go back to to your original statement, like, it's so different between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. And I think it's because of that reason. Like, he finally was like, I'm going to tell my story mm-hmm. about... Like, the Kingdom Hearts 1 is all about friendship, right? Yeah, Between Riku, so. Kairi, and Tor. Kingdom Hearts 2 is... I don't even know. You know, it's so convoluted. It's so mysterious. It's really the birth of the saga because chain of memories sets up so, two so there's a yeah chain of memories does set up two but there's a theory kind of going around okay that each one represent uh, one two and three represent the key parts of the uh, like of a person okay kingdom hearts one is the heart 
Mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the body. That's why they have no bodies. And all the bad guys are no bodies. They're, har- they're bodies without a heart. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I'm sorry, they're, they're hearts without a body. And uh, 3 is supposed to be the soul. That's, that's a really good read of, of the Kingdom Hearts series as a whole. I can agree with that. Um, but going back, so we have Chain that sets up 2. And Chain is where you start getting the organization, that idea of nobodies and, and what's going on with all that mystery. You get to two, and then we have what people will consider the worst tutorial of all time. I loved Roxas. it. But the thing is, when you play 358 over two, you, you, love, you love Kingdom Hearts 2 intro because you're Roxas when he's happy. I went into it. like I went into it. like I remember picking it up and stuff like that, and I was like, I didn't know this was the character I was playing as. I could have sworn I was playing as the spiky brown-haired kid. Yeah. But whatever. And I still loved it. I thought it was great. Um, but And it kind of honestly puts a little bit of like a, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, and you, because that's a big thing. Because you're put in, a, in the place of Sora. Because between 1 and 2, like he forgets his memories. He forgets everything. So you're, it's a good way to make you empathize with Sora as a character. And to continue on. In his giant fucking shoes, going going forward through cage. He does day. have quite large shoes. You know what that means? He better be, he better be packing because he's a goofy looking motherfucker. Big old keyblade. Yeah. Big old keyblade. Um. Big old rod. <laughs> Who is your favorite villain? Out of Kingdom all Hearts? of them, like I know it's technically everybody's Xehanort or whatever. <laughs> At but, like, some point, everybody became Xehanort. I would honestly say though, Xehanort is a really good one because. As we've talked about in our previous episode about villains, a character with like true conviction and a villain that thinks that they're right. And he does because he's if you look at it, he has a twisted logic behind it and stuff like that. He's trying to actually by using darkness to destroy light. He's trying to then destroy darkness. Yeah. So that was that was the cool thing about Kingdom Hearts 3. You got into Xehanort's head there in the final fight. Where he goes, I want Kingdom Hearts to destroy everything to where it's only light again. Because humans are what, like, in our darkness is what brought around darkness and stuff. So he's like, he's like, I want to reset everything to where it's just light, which is crazy. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. But, like, you can see the twisted logic behind it and stuff like that. But besides Xanort, I would probably say that out of all of them, I liked Axel because he was a villain. Mm-hmm. Turned good guy. I love Pete. I love Pete. Pete's awesome. Pete's just, he's hes such an idiot. He's such a bumbling goofball, but he's doing his best. You know, you got to respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my favorite villains is Xehanort, Master Xehanort, the, the big bad, for all the reasons that you've said. And I also really like uh, Xemnas. The, I do like Xemnas. The nobody, because the dude is just kind of just wrong, and he's... Not so much an evil person, but he's like, I think darkness is the only thing I know, and I'm trying to act within that realm of of evil to the best of my ability. So I think that Xemnas is a horribly misunderstood character. Yeah, and he gets a little bit of love in in Hearts 3, but not enough. No, I I love how, like, so, spoiler alert, you beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Yep. He's in Kingdom Hearts 3, and you you go up into a fight against him, and when you beat him... There's this dope little cutscene where he's just like, yep, you were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Peace. <laughs> yeah, my favorite, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the line, but he said, this is like he's, he's talking about dark, darkness and pain, and Sora goes, well, 
pain is what it means to be human. And then Zemnis's last words are like, to be human, what incredible strength. Like he understands. Because that's the whole thing is they don't have feelings. They don't have like, despite the fact that they are a heart, they're a body, they're, they're a heart without a body. They have no feelings. They mm. are completely numb. Yeah. So like when you, when you're like that, when you're completely numb, the only thing that you know is pain and that you want to be rid of it. So Zemnis gets the shit beat out of him by Sora. He feels like he's lost. And then he's like, oh, I feel this pain. This is the first thing he's, the first time he's felt something like ever. And then he's like, oh man, to be human, like what incredible strength. I can't wait to, to be like that. Because again. there's something we need to talk about that's kind of fucky Kingdom Hearts lore is. So when, so when somebody of strong enough heart is turned into a heartless, like Xanort was, because he was at one point, and mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of time jump to where, where his heartless and his nobody can be in this. It's a whole bunch of stuff. But basically, when somebody with a really strong heart is turned into a heartless, I mean, like loses their heart, they become a heartless, and they form a nobody. Then, if the nobody and the heartless are killed or destroyed, they become a full person again. Yeah, I don't necessarily like that system. I do. I think it's really interesting. It is an interesting concept, but the thing is, Kingdom Hearts, is, there feels like there's never really any consequences when you die, because you always come back in some way. Sora died and came back. Xemnas and Ansem died and came See, back. All they're the not dying, though. That's the whole thing. They're, they're giving up their hearts. Like that's a very, It's kind of like dying, but it's different, because they continue to live on just in a different way. And again, that's fair. I understand that part of the lore, but I feel... Like, there were no consequences, but you got to three, and then you saw everybody again, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of glad you're all here. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No. Um, but yeah. No, I really think that the—it's hard to wrap your head around when you're not playing, so like, I feel like we should probably move on from that. Yeah, before we, we go into this massive loop. Exactly, and people are like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> so we talked about, we talked about our villains, so before we dive into Sora as a whole, let's talk about some of our side guardians of light. Okay. Um, we got to talk about King Mickey to go off with King Mickey. So Mickey Mouse actually makes a brief appearance in the first one, but like, it's not even like really him. It's just his shadow. Do you know why he only has one appearance? They didn't have his licensing proper. Yeah. They were like, you get to use him one time. And Papa Nomura was like, we're going to make that shit count. (laughs) And I love the fact that they tied it together. Like they, so right before they released Kingdom Hearts 3, they released 2.8 final mix reboot. I don't know. Like something. Like the final prologue, yeah, final prologue or something like that. Ridiculous name, but it's Aqua who's in the realm of darkness, and she goes and like Mickey goes to like goes to find her. Mickey finds her, can't save her, kind of thing. But so one weird thing in the first like time you see Mickey is he looks like he's not wearing a shirt, and it's yeah, like the classic cartoon, yeah. just the red shorts, Mickey Mouse. And they, but like in every other time you see him, he's fully dressed. So they truly they explain it in there. He gets attacked by Heartless, and the sh- uh, he just like, gets beat up so bad that his shirt gets ripped off anime style. Yeah, like it literally fades away. Like he hits the dirt, and the shirt's gone. Yeah, like it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, he did get attacked by a tornado of of darkness, so like it kind of makes sense. But I just really appreciate the fact that they acknowledged. Yeah, kept it in continuity. Yeah. Um. My favorite guardian of light is Roxas because he is the best boy. No, he's not. Fuck you. The best boy is Terra. No, Terra's a little 
You're a little bitch. Fuck you. No, Terra's awesome, but go ahead, talk about Rock. So, so Roxas, his whole point is that he can never be happy. Right? I feel like you relate to that. Exactly. So in 358, like, you're, you become the, the 13th member of the organization 13. And you go on missions, and you feel like all you're doing is working. And you're this kid who just wants to hang out with his two best friends, Axel and Shion, on top of the you know, bell tower, whatever it is, clock tower. And then just eat some ice cream. And I'm like, you know what? Roxas, every time you're there, I get emotional because you're happy. And then I'm out. Ah. He's the best boy. And then he still makes a decision to like not be angry, not turn to evil, and give up his life for Sora. Because that, there's a part in two final mix on the PlayStation 4, maybe that was in the remix in, in the play, PS3, where like Sora and Roxas fight over the body, essentially. Like, who's going to come out on top? Yeah. Who's going who's gonna to live? Sora kicks his ass, like, barely. But Roxas still Sora. decides to, to, I don't know, to give it up. Because he knows that he's not supposed to exist, and he understands that the light of Sora is needed more than Roxas's power. Fair enough. And he's the first motherfucker to have two Keyblades. It is true because he has two different hearts in him. Yeah, which goes into Ventus. Yeah. Which is a good segue for you to talk about Terra. Yeah, so Terra is my favorite because he's like a tragic hero. So Terra is in um, Birth by Sleep. He is one of Master er uh, Ericus's students, uh, one of his three students. Uh, and Master Ericus is voiced by the one and only amazing Mark Hamill. So he's Luke. He is literally Luke's Padawan. Uh, so the game starts off with him and Aqua having their mark of mastery and doing their tasks and stuff. But Terra gives in to darkness a tiny bit at one point because of Master Xanort, who was like, a fellow pupil to Ericus, like him and Ericus trained under the same master. And he, Terra. Was that Master Yen said? We don't know who it was. We do not know their master. We just know that their master had the no name Keyblade. So Some it's Zigbar? possible that it could be. Or Briggs at the time? Or what? Oh, yeah. It could, it Lushu, could be Lucio. It could, Briggs, be, Lushu. Zigbar, it could be Lushu or it could be, like, we don't know. It could be Lushu's master, uh, like, pupil or whatever. We're just going to have to wait and find out about that. Another 15 years of waiting. Better fucking not be. So, going on, the uh, he doesn't get his Mark Mastery, Aqua does, and Terra gets pissy. Been there, done that, got that t-shirt. You know, you don't get what you want, you get pissy. Everybody does. Um, so he runs off to like kind of prove himself or whatever, and he just gets corrupted and really like used by Master Xanort, and he's then possessed by Master Xanort because Master Xanort is uh, his body. He's old, and so his body is kind of given away. So he wants a strong young body. So he takes over Zan uh, Terra, becomes Terra Xanort, and shenanigans ensue. But in Kingdom Hearts three, you find out that Terra has been like, and you even before this, you found out that Terra is inside of him, fighting tooth and nail to get his body back, and just can't win, and. Uh, I don't think it's, yeah, it's not, Zan uh, Xanort doesn't have this, but Ansem Seeker of Darkness does. He has his guardian on his back, the come guardian thing. Oh, the Bob? Yeah, the Bob. And so you find out that that's fucking Terra. 
and Kingdom Hearts 3. First off, how badass is that? That was one of the, like, fuck yeah moments is when he's ripping up, like, the uh So the, 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 Guardian, the Guardian is, like, this big jacked heartless that's on uh, Ansem's back and has, like, tape over his mouth so he can't talk. So in Kingdom Hearts 3, like, there's a fight going on and Ansem pulls out the Guardian. And the Guardian says, how about fuck you, rips off the... uh the tape on his mouth, and it's like, I'm going to fight you every single day from here to now eternity. Like, you're you're never going to have an easy life, regardless if you win this fight or not. And so, it was just yeah. super awesome. Terra, Terra got cool to me after he was corrupted by Xehanort, because, like, Lingering Will was way cooler than Terra, Terra ever was. Terra is easily the strongest of all the pupils, but the dumbest. I think he I think he is truly as strong if not stronger than Aqua but he was he was just mentally was able to be manipulated enough. I don't think his heart was as strong maybe but he himself was physically stronger. Yeah, I think he, he was uh he he was a guardian of light. He was this a good guy. He was a good guy but his pursuit of power, his competition, his his darkness, he allowed it to corrupt, and Master Xehanort just fast-tracked it's the true. process. It's true. I don't think he would have been corrupted had it not been for Xehanort, but I agree. Yeah, he, I think he, the, saw, the that, he saw that crack in the armor and used it. Yeah, the power of his friends would have kept him in the light. Exactly. Um, and Xehanort was, like, was able to isolate him from his friends and blah, 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 blah. But mm. how strong do you have to be to have your lingering will control your keyblade armor and be the toughest boss fight in all of kingdom hearts pretty fucking strong just saying pretty fucking strong um yeah and then roxas was like the second hardest to me i never beat lingering will no i never i i think i tried twice and i said mm, i'm gonna pass i did beat dark inferno though on uh on three. Oh, the secret boss yeah i haven't found it i've only played the story oh, he's super, and he's super easy to find you just go to the uh keyboard keyblade graveyard mm-hmm. and you know there's like a little bit like battle stations or whatever yeah he's the one like at the back okay i mean i'm gonna have to play kingdom hearts 3 again because it was so good fuck all of the naysayers yeah yeah a lot of people have been complaining about it i get where they're coming from but because i truly don't think that this game feels like it was 15 years in the making but i think a lot of people also forget that there was like seven games in between them like it's not truly only the third game yeah and true kingdom hearts fans who have played everything love kingdom hearts 3 because it answers majority of their questions wraps it up in a nice pretty little bow and sets up for the post xehanort saga but but the people who played one and two are like well who the fuck are all these people it's true but at the same time you also have all there are a lot of answered questions. There are still some unanswered questions that come from other things, like the, like, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Uh, the Zigbar reveal was cool. Uh, so in the at the end of the game, it's revealed that Zigbar has been Lushu, the set, uh, the sixth apprentice of the master, the master of masters, masters, who was tasked with like going forth into the future. I would like to see how he fucking did it. Well, that's what Kingdom Hearts. I know, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the next saga is like the the Lost Master saga, and they're going to be the bad guys. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. But we just got to figure out what's going on. Um, I'm I just really don't know what's going on next, and I think that's one of like that's probably my biggest problem with it is they just didn't like they said oh we're setting up a new saga. That's it. Like they didn't say we're setting up a new saga or like this is going to be the bad guy kind of thing where it's like this is a new saga. We, you don't know what happened to Sora. You don't know who's going to be in it. People are thinking that Donald like there's not going to be any Disney in the next one, which. I don't think because Kingdom Hearts is technically a Disney property. I don't know. Maybe they'll spread out to like Final Fantasy worlds or things that like Tetsuya Nomura has worked on. I don't know all of his work. I'm not a uh, big any, Final Fantasy fan. Any uh, any Final Fantasy character in Kingdom Hearts was made by Tetsuya Nomura. Yeah. So I think we're going to go into like his other works and explore Sora there. But this, to say that there's no Disney, there's still going to be King Mickey. There's still going to be King Mickey. Goofy. There's still got to be Don Goofy. And, like, some of your summons are still probably going to be Disney characters. They have to be. You have to. I'm fine if you want to go into more Kingdom Hearts worlds and stuff like that, like unique worlds, or if you want to go into Final Fantasy worlds. That's fine. But keep my Donald and Goofy. I have built a relationship and a rapport with those two. I have got down my strategies for them. First off, nothing gets past Goofy. Nothing. Absolutely Not nothing. God Goofy, may, you may think thing. Goofy's dumb, but that dude, like, if this were D&D, he would have a, na- like, he would always roll natural 20s on perception insight like everything uh then you have donald who donald was slept on until this game let me tell you what <laughs> all right hit, hit. so just tell your story man. i will i will so i always slept on donald donald's cool donald really came through for me in this game because he healed me a lot in times where i couldn't heal expect like he's the only i was able to beat kingdom hearts 3 on standard mode without dying once and Donald is the whole reason I was able to do that because there were multiple times he healed me when I couldn't heal myself. Secondly, that man tried to give his life for me in that game. <laughs> that was amazing. He got out like so. First off, there's a scene where uh, Terranort is about to whap on everyone, and he does. He whaps yep. on absolutely everyone for sure. But he's going at uh, Kyrie. Sora jumps back first, like back towards Terranort. Like, hugging Kyrie, trying to protect her. First off, you have a Keyblade. Why not just stick it out in front? You're kind of dumb. Secondly. <laughs> well, because that's just thing. The Sora is a lovable goofball, but at the same time, who is there to pick up Sora's slack every day? Fucking Goofy. Nothing. Hawkins passed Hawk Goofy. in front of that and said, like, blocked it with his shield. And then, like, right after that, like, it threw Terranort back. And Donald stepped up and said, Zeta Flare, and let out some big dick energy he hit him with the strongest magic move i have ever seen in my entire life he kamehameha his ass into next week freaking spirit bomb i don't even watch dragon ball z but i know that that's a big thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then Terranor brushed it off like it was nothing and then continued to whap on everybody but donald tried like gave his life for for the group yeah donald duck was great when i find myself in times of trouble Donald Duck comes to me saying words of wisdom, Zeta Flare. Zeta Flare. <laughs> By far my favorite part of the entire game. Oh, love it. Absolutely adorable. All right, but let's just let's get into Sora real quick. Like a brief summary of Sora because I feel like we've talked a lot about him. And so like the, uh, the listeners probably already know about him. But then let's get into Kingdom Hearts 3. That's what we're here to talk about. And we've been talking for about a half hour now and haven't talked about 
the game of Kingdom Hearts 3 well, as a whole. But that's the thing about Kingdom Hearts is that it's not one, two, three. It's fucking everything. I know, but like shit that you didn't even realize was a thing on top of shit that you still didn't realize was a thing makes up Kingdom Hearts 3. I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is truly like I'm going to throw enough shit at the wall and see what sticks, but like every piece of shit stuck. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess that's just Namira's uh, storytelling method. Exactly. Uh, Sora, as a character, yay or nay? He is the everyman, but he's special, not because he's, like, the chosen one, which he is, but because he's a lovable goofball, because his heart is the smallest amount of darkness, like, probably ever, because it's still within him. Because it's within everybody, but at the same time, it's a 99 to 1% ratio. At this, like, so, like, Sora has an incredibly strong heart. And we always, and how I mentioned earlier that, like, and that's brought up multiple, multiple times. Sora, at one point, has three other hearts that he is hiding inside of his own heart. That is ridiculous, even according to Ansem the Wise, who is not Ansem Seeker of Darkness. <laughs> And some of the wise who, like, his whole thing was he studied hearts. Like, he knew hearts better than anyone else. And he said, this is redonkulous. What's up with this kid? We need to figure this out. I haven't heard the word redonkulous in a long time, my friend. Hey, it's a deep cut, you know? (laughs) So you go ahead and you, like, he says that's ridiculous and stuff. And Sora has that strong of a heart. But when in the first game he's turned into a heartless, he's turned into a measly little shadow. And I think that that right there was either to, like, I think that was truly to illustrate just how little darkness he had in his heart. That all that darkness in that strong heart of his would only amount to a shadow. Well, also, Sora says it himself, my friends are my power. So where, like, yeah, Sora by himself is a little heartless. But Sora with the other Guardians of Light, with his friends, he he can dick on, uh, you know, key X-Blade Xehanort. Exactly. Speaking of which, that fight is so much easier once you've leveled up a lot and have the ultimate weapon. That dude would hit me and would, like, I would hit him, like, in a combo and would take out, like, like a half of a health bar or maybe mm-hmm. a full health bar. And then he would hit me in a combo and I would go, like, maybe, like, an eighth. Like, <laughs> oh, good. No, I had to, I had to cure so many times. Oh, the first fight that. was hard as hell. First, like I said, that, that's the, like, that right there is where Donald, like, sh- shone for me. Is because he said I'm gonna heal you every single time. Yeah. Um, to to go back to Sora. He it's just the thing is it's not so much that Sora himself is special, which he's not truly and honestly. Like they talk about a few things, like yeah, he he ends up being special, but there's nothing truly spectacular about him except for that he's a truly innocent kid. Mm-hmm. The uh, and. It's the connections that he makes with his friends along the way. People that he doesn't even know he has a connection with. Ventus and Roxas being the predominant figures. And that's and that's what the Kingdom Hearts, at least the first saga's theme is, is like, my friends are my power. If you you know, if you can be a good friend, if you can love one another, then you can fight off any darkness. I think if I had to summarize Kingdom Hearts in a thematic sense, it would be that sentence. I, I know that we're like in a serious moment right now. But every time you say he, my, my friends are my power, every time I hear that, I think of that vine where that kid goes, I have the power of God and anime on my side. <laughs> Which he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but no, I agree. He He's a very interesting character. He's a lot deeper than you would think. Um, yeah, serious Sora is a scary Sora. Yeah, no, and like when, like, Sora's a very goofy character all the time until he's not. And then you're like, oh, shit's hitting the fan. 
and this bad guy's about to die. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like I'm trying to think of a, like an example, but I know because I know it's not a unique idea to have a goofy. I, it's kind of like Goku bringing it back to Dragon Ball Z. Goku's like always like I like fighting. It's fun. Ha 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 ha. And then he gets his ass beat, and he's like, "Fuck no." <laughs> well, no, that's actually a pretty good comparison because Goku turns Super Saiyan when his best friend Krillin dies. Yeah. Goku turns. Ultra Instinct, which is like the the new Super Saiyan, basically for uh, Dragon Ball Super, when Jiren, the the main villain of the arc, tries to like attack his friends, and it's the same thing. Like, if I hit Kyrie, I would die. It's, it's the same thing. Like, because again, it's it's all about the friendship. It's all about the connections. Yeah. So to like talk about his connections, stuff like that. His two best friends are Riku and Ky- Kyrie, who are like kids he grew up with. And the whole first game, revol- like their island gets taken over by darkness, and it's him trying to find his friends. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, Riku is like corrupted by darkness, so he and Riku start to fight and like honestly become enemies for a little while. And then Kairi is apparently a princess of light, which means she has absolutely no darkness in her heart. She's pure light. Um, that's not retconned, but like they talk about how they're new princesses of light and. So, like, they've passed the torch, so she's no longer a Princess of Light in the third, come the third game. Um, But the, it's interesting that they have that dynamic. And that comes to why Roxas, when he has the two Keyblades, has the Oblivion Keyblade, which represents Sora's bond with Riku. And the Oathkeeper Keyblade, which is his, he keeps his oath to Kairi to find her. And so That's why Roxas is the best boy. And Roxas is, in turn, uh, Sora's nobody. How I said he turned into a heartless little shadow. He turns into Roxas as the nobody. Mm-hmm. And Roxas looks like Ventus because Ventus is inside of uh, inside of Sora. Sora's heart. And shit gets fucky. So, <laughs> so if you ever are curious about who we're talking about, everyone is either Xehanort or Sora. Because that's it's pretty much it. Yeah, how no, it is. Th- those are basically the two connections at, at at a certain point. Yeah, everybody's connected to Sora in at least like two fashions. Yeah, for sure. Two degree, like you're t- everybody's two degrees from Sora. Everybody's two degrees from Xanort, or is in fact Xanort. Like, <laughs> <laughs> come Kingdom Hearts three, there are thirteen Xanorts. Have you ever heard of the the Kevin Bacon theory? So, it's something like some really smart prestigious school like Harvard or Stanford, whatever. These kids made an idea made a, a program or a process where you were always three people away from Kevin Bacon. That's awesome. So, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know many people. But essentially, like, all right, you know your mom, right, who works for some sort of cinema company, who knows this producer that worked with Kevin Bacon one time. Fair enough. Okay. And it, it's things like that. I got you. And I feel like that's really applied to, uh, so is everyone Sora? Well, yes. Yeah. Is everyone Everybody, yes. everybody is at least two degrees from Sora. Sora is Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think he's a, an awesome character, very deep character, and there's a lot of really confusing stuff about him, but if once you really, like, get down to it and stuff, he's a simple character, honestly. Yeah, his motivations are simple. The plot is, is complicated. complicated. He himself is a very simple character. He's like, I want to save my friends, and I want to protect the people I love. Mm-hmm. End of story, game over. Which makes Sora a good hero, because... You know, every good person can relate to that. I want to protect my friends and family. He's also incredibly forgiving because, like, Riku tries to, like, kill him. 
like not not just like beat him up. He tries to kill him. Well, yeah. Look at look at Kingdom Hearts three. Like, and then he and Riku are still best friends. Yeah. Look at Kingdom Hearts three. He, which is my most emotional moment, is where Shion is about to go on Axel, and he goes, "Just don't do this." Like he's willing to forgive this enemy who is about to beat Axel. He's like, "I forgive you. It's fine. Just come over to the light." And he does it with every character that he fights. He does it with Xehanort, Xemnas, Ansem, whoever. He's like, "Just fucking stop being bad." Fair enough. And that's what makes Sora so good because it's compelling because it's a pure emotional thing. He's like, I'm willing to love you too. Like I love all these other people. Yeah. That's what makes Sora the true hero, the true guardian of light. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was cool to see with Axel doing it with, uh, Isa or, uh, Syax as he's called in the organization. Mm -hmm. The, we can do a whole separate episode about organization relationships. And I think that's where we need to go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move it into the game, act, like the actual True Blue game, Kingdom Hearts 3. What is your opinion on it? Great, but not perfect. Okay. Um, I feel like the first two-thirds of Kingdom Hearts 3, where you're going through the actual worlds, it's okay. It made me feel like it's Kingdom Hearts. I made me f- get in the shoes of Sora and you know be happy make connections make friends in the classic Sora way but at the same time i was like get to the good shit so one complaint i, I saw a lot in like reading and looking at this stuff is that a lot of people thought that it was kind of lazy like i talked to josie about this because she watched me play almost all of it mm-hmm. she thought it was very lazy of them to go and just basically make you play through tangled you, you basically play through tangled you basically play through frozen like, it just makes you play through some of the game, uh, some of the stories and stuff that you're on, like, that are movies. I thought that that was brilliant on their part because they saw, like, so this game to me is not about the soul as it is the connections between souls. Mm-hmm. And so what company does connections better than Disney? You know, nobody, every single one of their, at least everyone that you play through, like Tangled, is the connection that Rapunzel and Flynn Rider make together. He is willing to, like, they're together for, like, three days, and by the end of those three days, he's willing to give up his life for her. Like, that's a strong connection there. Then, Then they, like, that's a romantic connection, which you could, kind of thinking about it, you could kind of put that with him and Kyrie, because at the end of the game, it's kind of hinted at that Sora did give his life to be with Ky- uh, to save Kyrie, but we're not. Which, I mean, he literally did. We don't. We don't know. We don't know. He definitely at least risked it, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then you see Frozen, who has the like the sisterly bro- like sister love and stuff like that. The sisterly connection, which you could kind of then equate to Riku and him because they're closest brothers. You know, I just think that and. It looks like Riku, there's a theory that Riku actually is diving into the abyss to go get Sora, and then kind of like how Anna jumped in front of the sword for Elsa. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff. And I think that it was one brilliant to illustrate, to use those movies that have such strong connective ties and stuff like that, and connective elements and connective themes to then illustrate that theme in the game that they're using. I agree. However, I feel like. It's a fatigue because Kingdom Hearts 2 played out the story and you can't make that kind of read that it's all about connections between like Mulan and Shane Chen. 
chain. You can't make that connection between like Jack, Will, and Elizabeth in Pirates. I think people consider it lazy because I can just watch those movies and be okay. It doesn't apply to the main Kingdom Hearts storyline, you know? It's not it's not necessary. I agree, but Kingdom Hearts 3 did this weird thing where each story, like, there was very little overarching story. Like, the whole, like, overarching reason that you, and I didn't like this, to be totally honest, was that the whole reason you kept going to these worlds is to get stronger. There was at no point where you going to save somebody, you would just go to get stronger and stronger. But the way that you were supposed to get stronger is to discover the power of waking. Mm-hmm. And the power of waking is using those connections, you know? Yeah, to wake up worlds. To wake up worlds and stuff like that and wake up hearts. So yeah. it was if you look you have to take like four steps back to really see the overarching story to it, and that's kind of like that's that's too much in my opinion. But that is Namora's style. That is Namora's style. That's the Kingdom Hearts style is to do that, I agree. But you can I can see where complaints are coming from, and as a longtime fan of the game, I can I can do that. And I do have such a love for the game that I am probably a little biased. But still. Oh, yeah. We are both incredibly biased because there are th- things that are wrong with Kingdom Hearts. But we can, we love the game so much. We love the narrative so, no- so much to where we go, well, yes, that doesn't make a great game. But, yes, those, those ideas of connections makes for a proper story. And I think at the end of the day, Kingdom Hearts is more of a story than a game. For sure. But the thing is, the game is also really fucking good. It's a great game. Like, before Dark Souls craze, there was like, all right, who's going to beat Lingering Will first? Yeah. You know? In the in the gameplay f- from across the series, with the exception of, like, some of the more mobile games, like Chain of Memories and maybe Kingdom Hearts 1 isn't that great, but 2 and 3 are the probably my favorite gameplay mechanics ever. I love the flowy combat. Fair enough. I, th- I would... Honestly, combat's one of the things I'd like least about the games. Uh, well, my, my, my biggest complaint about the combat is the attractions because the attractions broke the game, in my opinion, because I feel like there was no skill. Hop into the middle of the crowd, pop your attraction command, and win. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that those were a weird way to get rid of like the limit breaks and stuff like that. I did like key, keyblade changes, though, because those kind of replaced limit I breaks. did like the keyblade changes, but I didn't like them as much as I liked the different forms. Fair enough. Um... But they were still cool. Don't get me wrong. I, Favorite Keyblade, not ex- excluding the Ultima. Excluding Ultima, easily the uh, High Wind. Pirates, Pirates. of the Caribbean. Uh, I really liked the Frozen Keyblade because that just put out so much damage and AoE effect. It definitely did do a lot of magic damage, but the the weapon, like the wep- the form change you got from... The one, th- my big complaint about the uh, Frozen Keyblade was the form change changed everything for that one. You went from being a magic weapon to being a melee weapon, mm-hmm. and I didn't like that. But I really liked the spear that you got from Highwind because it had so much range on it, and so many of the boss fights just teleport around. Yeah, and that's a bit like, and so like once you got that spear going, you could f- attack them across the map pretty easy. Yeah, that was really good for, like, the 3v3s at the end of the game because you can just, you know, all right. You, you can back start spamming. One person, somebody teleports away. Okay, I'm just going to get to the next closest guy to me with the pirate thing because I would start a lot of combos with pirate and then go to uh, the Big Hero 6 keyblade. I can't remember the name. Uh, 
nano arms or something. Yeah, yeah because that was a balanced one for for close up combat. That's true. It was. I didn't. I did. I think I used that one once. Like it's. It was a good one. It was a pretty solid one overall. Fair enough. You know, uh, Corey, Corey apparently just used key, uh, Kingdom Key up until the end, like up until the final fights where Dude, he pulled the, where he the, pulled the out. The entire Xehanort fight was I used Kingdom Key because I wanted to like see it all canon. I guess. So what I did was I actually equipped. Like anytime I was in a fight, I would equip the uh, Highwind. Okay. Anytime okay. I was in a fight, I'd equip Highwind. As soon as I got to fight Kingdom Key, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you could see the so I could see the scenes. the cannon cutscenes and yeah. stuff yeah, like I that. I would do like the last half bar with the Kingdom Key, and then use the other Keyblades to do the damage Fair and enough. things like that. Uh, so what was your favorite world? Oh, uh, excluding the final world and uh, like the Keyblade graveyard in the final world. Like the favorite Pixar. I mean, if that world. was your favorite one, yeah, this Keyblade Graveyard at the end. Keep, Keyblade like, Graveyard. Like I said, I felt like the first couple worlds were just not necessary. I felt like the I felt like the ending was rushed, honestly. Like not it really. was a solid, solid fight. Like I really enjoyed. Like if that had been like the final like boss like thing, which it was, I would have been happy with that. But at the same time, I feel like it. Like it took. It didn't take me long. Did not take me that long to go through to like once I started the Keyblade War, maybe took me another three hours at max to finish it. Yeah, and that's just not long enough, you know. For like that's like your second half of the game. Like I really it's like I got I saved Aqua, and that's when like that's when you start it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, oh, I'm hitting the midpoint, cool, <laughs> and it was not the midpoint. Well. I, like, I expected that to kick into high gear because, like, I got the power of waking. Awesome. Now let's start doing, like, trying to fight the organization, you know, kind of, like, trying to stop them from – I got I get why, but it's just not what I expected. And I think that that's also another reason why because it seems like the ending is kind of rushed. The ending is rushed, but for good reason because you don't want to establish any more plot points. You just want to end the Xehanort saga. And to end the Xehanort saga, you have to have a war. And a war is not a very compelling story once you're in the war itself. So you just kind of go through, and everybody has their character moment. That's why I say it's great. Literally, Axel, Shion, Rogers, Terra, Aqua, everybody has their moment. And nobody is overshadowed by anybody except for Sora, obviously. And it all works because you're not putting any filler or fluff into it. You're just, this is the end. Like, get fucking ready. Fair enough. And that's why I really like it because I'd rather have a shorter game or a shorter story with no filler than have to grind through some bullshit. See, I don't mind a little bit of filler in certain cases. Like, I enjoyed, like, in the second Kingdom Hearts, you can go through the entire game and not once go to the Pride Lands, but that's, like, my favorite world. Like, Yeah, it didn't have anything, it didn't have as much extra, and I can, and then, I can see that as a legitimate complaint. But then but, you feel like, but speaking of that, you also feel like the entire first half of the game, or first three-fourths of the game when you're going to all the different like disney world stuff like that it's kind of like the i feel like that's all those worlds were like pride Pride lands Lands. because you didn't at the end of the day you didn't really need to go to him like he just happened to figure out where aqua was like i think he just like he he really needed to he found out like the only lesson he learned is that he will unlock the power of working when he needs it and he needed it to go save riku in the uh realm of darkness that was it yeah and i think that's a that's a fault on storytelling but at the same time it was no filler like once once you saved aqua which minor tangent 
Aqua turned to darkness and all I had to do was beat her ass to save her. I feel like that wasn't good enough. No. No. The way they teased that, honestly. Like, they put... They put that in the trailer, we, we saw, and I we was saw, like... We saw that trailer, and we all went, Aqua, no! Like, we all freaked out. And then nothing came from it. I mean... She just beat her up. That's my... That is my biggest... I really thought... Biggest she, complaint about Kingdom Hearts was the way that they handled that. I really thought she was going to be one of the seekers of darkness you know one of the 13 i was like damn that is a because we've all been like thinking like aqua is a master of like of the keyblade she is like one of the strongest hearts in the entire game there's no way she can fall and then she does and we're like oh damn that's gonna be crazy and then she's not even that hard of a boss fight yeah so our clunks are on the head a few times and then it's like hey i'm back to normal yeah i will say though that like that whole scene where like when she wakes up on destiny isle and she said they go aqua you're home i teared up that was the first time i teared up in the game yeah but it wasn't earned i guess that moment was not earned but the moment itself was still beautiful it's true yeah no the the moment wasn't earned i agree an earned moment for me was the way they brought tara back and roxas back because tara you established lingering role I don't think, in the two I, remixes. I don't really think Aqua, I mean, not Aqua's, uh, Terra's. No, Terra's was fine. I really don't think, uh, Terra's was borderline not earned. I don't think Roxas's was earned. Because he just pops up out of nowhere, you know? Well, it was earned because somebody remembered Shion, and Shion's connection, Sora's connection, and Axel's connection, which is what the game is about, was strong enough to bring Roxas back. It's fair. I feel like it was earned. And Terra the same way, because you established lingering will in KH2, you establish him fighting uh, Tarzan or in Birth by Sleep to when he finally pops back up because Ventus and Aqua remember him, it's earned. I get it, but I don't think it's explained enough in the story to be earned. They just kind of go, oh, yeah, like, Shion, I remember Shion. Bow, she's there, you know? Like, I think they could have... I think it's where the story, like, more story could have been done. I think maybe if you did, maybe, like, added a world or two extra of time or something like that where the guardians of light are trying to get their shit together before this big fight i think that's i think that would have tied all that together would have made it a little bit more like co- maybe even give you like the realm of darkness sora finally they're like oh you got the power of waking all right go ahead you two go like go get aqua mm-hmm. and like you mickey and riku go into the and don goofy go into the realm of darkness and go search for aqua at that point that fight is earned and her rescue is earned and I think that if you kind of like maybe while they're there, because it does mess being in that realm does mess with your mind, as we saw with Aqua and her little journey there, bring up those connections, you know, kind of bring in like, oh, like he has a connection to Xi'an that he doesn't know about, but like his heart knows about it because it's in his heart and the realm of darkness is pulling that on his heart. I think you would I think you could have made it better in that case. That's fair. That's a fair argument. And. We're just going to have to agree to disagree because I like the no filler. I'm like, Roxas is coming. Roxas is there. I know why. But for the casual fan, people who haven't played all the extra games, that would have been a more appropriate step for the writing team and the developers to to do to make everybody understand and to also play off your idea. That's where you kind of bring up the history of Roxas and, and uh, Terra and everyone we're trying to get back because it fills in the audience for people who wouldn't play those games. That's true. I do appreciate the fact that they had their little like catch up cutscenes on a uh, like you could oh, do yeah. in the. Uh, I cried every every single one where they're all just like hugging. That you could like you could do at the uh, no 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 not that not the end not the end. I'm talking about like 
at the beginning, before you even start the game, you can go through and watch these little cutscenes that explain each game. Oh, oh yeah, 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 and stuff like that. I think that that's the cool touch for people who just wanted to hop into this one. Yeah. yeah. But I also agree those last cutscenes where it f- finishes off and everybody's hugging and everybody's reuniting. That was great. Let's talk about the true ending though. Like the final fight with Xanort. San Xanort go like Xanort fades to the light after you yeah, beat we, him. We we touched on this a little bit with Xehanort's intention when we when we spoke about him as a villain. What do you think about Skadad Column? Oh my god, it was so beautiful. So beautiful. So what happens right at the end of the game? So you go and you fight Xanort at the uh, at the Keyblade Graveyard. You beat all his people, and he's sitting there waiting to fight you. And uh, you go, Xanort, uh, I'm not going to fight you and form that 13th Keyblade. Because like, like, when you fight, they form, like, after each fight, you formed a Keyblade that would be used to then open up a Keyblade of Darkness that would then be used to open up Kingdom Hearts. And so he says, I'm not going to fight you. And so what he does is he grabs Kyrie, like, eats her away with the Force, and fucking kills her in front of you, or at least so it seems. She, he hits her, and she shatters like glass. Yeah, Anthony informed me that, no, like, that was murder. Like, she was gone, and that's why, at the end of the game, Sora was like, I'm getting, I'm reawakening Kyrie's heart, which, yeah. and then that act of reawakening, which he already did after everybody died the first time, he did it too much, and that's why Sora was faded away. He faded, faded away. That's all we know is he faded away. Yeah, I think, did you watch the secret movie? Yes, I did. Or you actually, I earned it. I did not. I YouTubed that shit. I, I YouTubed it before I earned it, but I earned it. Yeah, but, like, he's, I guess, in a fourth dimension, not the realm of light in between or darkness, but something He's in the else. abyss. So I have an interesting theory that we can, t- we can talk about after we get all through this stuff. We can talk about our theories of the upcoming Kingdom, uh, like, KH4. But Scatter Column was really cool. Um, uh, and so back to the, uh, after Kyrie's killed, Sora's like, oh, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> and it forms the Keyblade. Uh, it forms the Keyblade. It doesn't open up Kingdom Hearts. The the 13 keyblades and then oh, he uses so, the keyblade which is like that's like an x like the greek letter key and so he uses that to then open up kingdom hearts which he fills it with darkness or whatever and then some stuff goes down between him and mickey real quick they try to rewind time but he dude, said dude that stop is a oh my god that was dirty but he said no and um then you've like you and the thirteen guardians of, or not thirteen guardians, the seven guardians of light, then use all their power to unlock Kingdom Hearts, and you and Xanort go through Kingdom Hearts to this place called Scattered Column, which is the the it's the world between worlds, like it's the connection of everything. Mm-hmm. It's the world of connection. Did you know? Do you know what was in that underneath the water? What? That was from the Master of Masters world, like. That's where Daybreak you play Town? Unimax. Yeah, that's what that was. What under was underwater was Daybreak Town. No fucking way. Yeah, yeah. that's dope. All right. So they like they really brought in the mobile game, which like people were like, "Ah, oh, fuck this mobile game. It's not important." It was fucking it was important. important. Like there's a whole scene where like people from the mobile game are in the game, but uh, so then you get Scatter Column, and then you fight the thirteen darknesses again. But like you fight the thirteen as one. They only share one health bar. Yeah, and uh, it's not even a big health bar. I think it's just to whittle your health down right before you go fight Xanort or something like that, or maybe give you a possibility for a level up. I'm not quite sure. But then you do... Cool-ass boss fights that makes you... Because those 13 pieces of darkness were 
the people like you just kicked their ass, and now they're there again now under Xanor's control. Dope ass armor, and then you go up to Xanor, you go to fight him. He puts on some like all like some solid like goat head like devil armor, <laughs> and he, you start fighting. He does some real fucking shit with like time and space, causes you to go like sideways, fall, causes you to fall eternally, causes you to like go underwater. Really crazy stuff. The final fight takes place on like. A st- like a stained glass like pillar in like the study or something like that crazy i don't know where it takes i place. wonder if that was the clock tower where the master of masters and the apprentices maybe. were all together maybe. Uh, but uh about to look into that yeah and then he brings in like the 13 darknesses again because he controls them they do some fucky shit he steals your he steals your light at one point and forces you into this thing called rage mode which is like where you basically abandon all light and just go ham but you can't heal which is super annoying. Yeah, it's a it's a risk and reward. That, that right there is where Donald came in so much handy, is because he healed me three times in that. Because I didn't realize you had to just beat the shit out of him. I just thought you had to wait until. No, yeah, you have to, you have to, to fight him to get him. your to get your light back, and then you finally get your light back, and you finally beat him. It's really cool because the final thing is you can beat him until he has one hit point left, and you can keep beating him, and he's not going to lose that one hit point unless you do the the action command to do like the final strike which is you donald and goofy all getting together and using the power of your connection and your hearts to bow get them so yeah that final fight was so good but uh yeah so and then like ericus who was who's dead like ericus is the only one who's dead dead comes back to like because he's actually like was inside of xanort's heart because him and xanort were best friends yeah he was he was in Xehanort's heart because they're best friends, and because Xehanort's heart was in Terra's heart, he lived in Terra's heart, and because Terra got back to normal, he got yeah, to no, it was out. much crazy shit, stupid shit. But, but Ericus so comes good. back to like guide Xehanort to the realm of light, or to like to the afterlife, basically, and it was super like super awesome because he got to see his friend again, and like they even say dang like hello old friend, like it was a very touching reuniting moment, and honestly, almost a moment of redemption. Xanort, who's been the big bad guy the entire game. Yeah, he finally gave up on his well-intentioned but horribly, horribly executed plan to bring back light into the world. He's like, all right, you know what? I've lost. I was wrong. Ericus, you were right. I leave the rest to Sora. Yeah, in terms of like bringing the light to the world, which was good to see because you got to understand Xehanort it didn't completely come out of left field because they established their friendship in, in Birth by Sleep. It was really good. Yeah, and, like, they've also, t- like, shown, like, in the past that they were, like, they were friends growing up and stuff like that. There's the secret letters that actually show that there was, like, a healthy rivalry between the two. And you find out that uh, Ericus is actually descended from the old masters. If you read the secret letters and stuff like that, you find out no, that... Oh, I didn't know you, that. You find out that Eric, like, it's Xanort writing it. And he's like, he's like, I've been like chosen to like study alongside him and stuff like that. Ericus may be descended from the old masters, but I will be his equal in every way. It was dope, but uh, so that that was a very touching moment. And then it leaves off with uh, Lushu, who is one. So in the phone game, you find out that there's the master of masters, and he has six apprentices, and Lushu is one of his apprentices, and then it's goes to him summoning the other five apprentices but one of them doesn't show up for a reason 
that's undisclosed, but one of them doesn't show up, and the other four are like, what the fuck's going on? He goes, boom, it's me, Zigbar. The entire time Zigbar has been Lushu. And, which I can't believe Anthony called, honestly. But Anthony had no, absolutely nothing to back it up. He just went, you know who talks kind of like the master of masters? Zigbar. They're the only two that talk in a super casual manner all the time. So, like, damn, Anthony. Kudos to you for pulling that one out of your ass, out of nowhere. You had nothing to back it up, but you were right. <laughs> we give we give proper credit when it's yeah. due, man. And so that was crazy. And then the game ends, uh, and then you see Sora and Kyrie, like everybody hanging on the beach playing frisbee and stuff, having a good time. That's when uh, the don't think twice comes in, and you, you, you just, just start crying, crying and breathe a sigh, sigh and of relief. Everybody looks over and sees Kyrie and Sora sitting on a tree, not kissing not because kiss. they never fucking kiss. I'm so mad about that. God. Like I, I give this game a zero out of ten solely for that. But uh, they they hold hands, and then. Sora fades away, and nobody tells you what the fuck happens. That's it. That's the end of the game. Kudos. You beat the game. Then, if you get the secret movie, you see Sora waking up in, like, a city. And... I heard that that city is from a game called The World Ends With You, which I know nothing about other than that. It is. I, I like. It's also based off of, like, a real city. So, like, I'm thinking he might be in the real world, which would be fucking crazy. And second off, uh, Riku wakes up in an area where he's being watched by, uh, what's his, uh, Kazora or whatever. Oh, is that the video game character? Again, again, I don't know anything about these videos. Yazora, Yazora. No, Yazora is the dude with the red eye. Yeah, from from Varum Rex, which is a game that's only in Kingdom Hearts. Like, it's a made-up game. It's not a real one. Oh, wow. Uh, in the Toy Story world, Rex plays this game called, uh, Varum Rex, and the character is Yazora, who is a combination between Riku and uh, Riku and Zora. And he's being watched by Yazora in that world. So it's the world of Vernum Rex, which is very interesting. Oh, there's somebody else who's watching, which is just a... A guy in a, red, in, in a black cloak, and everybody thinks it's the Master of Masters. Yeah, it's either the Master of Masters or uh, Zigbar Lushu. Gotta wait and see. I don't know if I want this game to continue. I kind of wish it would all ended with Xehanort so I can have my solid series. I think I don't think that they can continue on with the with the manner that they've been going. I think they have to cut it down and go one, two, three of this. Like go four, five, six. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts four, five, six. Don't do four point nine, twelve, seven, eight, nine. Go four, five, six. Complete stories. Finish it off. For sure, and that's what I hope it is, and I hope it comes out within the next two to three years and not yeah. decade. No, I, th- I, th- I think that that's a, I think that's a solid ask. I don't think that's crazy to ask that. I think, I, th- I truly think that, that, uh, Namora wrote himself into a hole and that's why it took so long. I think that's what happened. Uh, like, I, I can agree with hot that. take, but I think that's truly what happened because kingdom hearts, it's a great series, but it's convoluted as fuck because we're trying our best to explain it to somebody who essentially has never played kingdom hearts. And, I feel like if you're listening to this, we failed at that task. Oh, completely. Because it's something that's very hard to do in an hour, let mm-hmm. alone two hours, honestly. I think you need probably about... We would need to you, do a dedicated series of Kingdom Hearts Which episodes. we could do if you guys wanted. Go ahead and message us about it. Like, we can do our... Like, we, we've played them all. At Two Dudes Podcast. Tweet at us. 
I'm like we're we we know our stuff about it so go ahead and message us but uh yeah i think i think we're at a good i think we're at a good point so we hope we hope you guys enjoy this episode we hope that it wasn't too confusing and see you guys next week uh josh go on to go ahead and do like some hard plugs on our twitter and stuff uh yeah at two dudes podcast um we're going to be on hopefully all the podcast things, but really support Podbean because that's, you know, our main avenue. Thinking about a Patreon? Yep. Well, Maybe trying to get some support from you guys. We're thinking once we probably get like a more solid following of people and stuff like that, we're going to set up a Patreon. So hopefully. Updates to follow. Let us know what you would want because, I mean, you're giving us your, your hard, hard-earned dollar. What can we do to earn that dollar? Exactly. You know? Give us some ideas. We're, we're excited to see you. We're excited to hear from you. Hoping to build a community of nerds who just want to talk and, about shit. And uh, there have been talks about setting up a Discord. So we'll go ahead and keep keep y'all updated with that as well. Uh, and updates will be on Twitter and on the podcast. We'll bring them up. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Be excellent, my dudes. Peace.